Hi, this is Dana Miller, senior reporter with Hotel News Now, joined with Sean Eyre, president and CEO of Trinity Investments. Thank you for joining me today, Sean. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's great to be on uh, with you. I'm looking forward to this conversation and diving into recent investments that Trinity has made, goals with expanding beyond the Pacific Rim, demand trends, views on development, and more. But first, let's start off kind of noting that Trinity has had a big year so far, including purchasing the Diplomat Beach Resort Hollywood to capitalize off multiple market segments. So let's hear how the property has been performing since acquisition. Um, tell us about, you know, how it's really come to fruition with the investment. Uh, thank you, Dan. It's been performing, uh, you know, according to plan. We closed in February of this year. I'd say that the diplomat fits squarely within what Trinity does in terms of the types of assets we, we invest in. So just to recap that in brief, we focus on brand managed hotels, so predominantly Hilton, Marriott, Hyatt. This is obviously we brought Hilton in to operate this. We focus on assets that are 300 rooms and larger. The, the diplomat is, is 1,000 rooms, so, so mm -hmm. that uh, fits with that. And then we focus predominantly on the smile states, which are Florida, Texas, um, Arizona, California, and Hawaii. So it fits right there as well. So the plan when we bought the uh, the diplomat from Brookfield was to bring in Hilton to manage it. And once it goes through its renovation, it will go into the Dignia brand within the Hilton family. Ah. And so far, everything's been working well, going according to plan. You know, we're seeing a tremendous uh, resurgence, not only on the leisure traveler side, but we're also seeing strong group demand. And this is exactly what the uh, the diplomat is uh, is designed for. That's great. I didn't realize it was going to be within the Sydney brand. And I remember when it launched around pandemic years and everyone was like, oh, no, what's going to happen with this? Since, you know, COVID uh, kind of wiped out group business. But I'm so happy to see that that's coming back. And it sounds like this is the perfect property for that brand. Yes. It absolutely is. So we're seeing very strong group demand across our portfolio. So group business is definitely back. Good to hear. So Trinity, like you said, has always been focused on the larger corporate and group demand driven properties, which were the types that were, you know, of course, hit the hardest and longest by the pandemic. So in 2022, you had mentioned it's only natural to sit back and wonder how sane is this strategy? How would you react to that now? <laughs> I, uh, I I think looking back now, we we were very disciplined pre the pandemic in terms of the markets we we're investing in, the types of assets, the brands, etc. So all of our hotels fit that mold: 300 rooms and larger, brand managed, smile states, more destination type hotels. And of course, as COVID hit, it was devastating because these hotels, like others, they all had to close. But what we saw happen first was the uh, the Revenge Leisure Traveler come back in the summer yeah. of 21, and they traveled at, at incredible levels. But group was soft because we had you know variants of COVID like Omicron, et cetera, that sort of stalled the the recovery of group. And uh, but now that that, that that's all passed, group has has come back strongly. And there's a few reasons for that. Mm -hmm. One is with this work from home phenomenon. So a lot of people are now working from home Mondays and or Fridays. That mm -hmm. created every weekend a three-day weekend, so people are traveling more. In yep. addition to that, because of because more people are working from home, companies have started shrinking their uh, their, their their office footprints, and mm -hmm. the result of that, they don't have the space to physically house everybody to come in and get their teams together. So they're having more offsites, 
But what we're seeing is we're seeing a, a, a real, real compression between the group and the leisure traveler competing for the same rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so as an example, if we previously had Thursdays and Sundays with the quietest nights in these types of hotels, they're pretty solid nights now because, because of the way travel patterns have changed. And then, of course, you had two, two and a half years of COVID where groups and conventions and trade shows just did not occur. So they're yeah. cramming all of that back in. So it's been a it's been a great confluence of all of those factors that have benefited the types of hotels that uh, Trinity invests in. Right. So we've definitely seen a shift in weekday, weekend, uh, high demand periods a little bit. Correct. And people traveling more. And we're also seeing a lot of, um, you know, multi generational travel. You know, we're obviously sure. experiencing one of the one of the greatest wealth transfers in the history of the history of the history, right? But right. But, um, but so we're seeing grandparents with their kids and grandkids all traveling. And I, mm-hmm. I often sort of joke a little bit tongue in cheek, but in the early part mm-hmm. of COVID, we all got sick shopping. We all got sick of shopping on Amazon and after yeah. shopping for experiences. And that's truly continuing. I mean, people are very experientially driven. This yeah. summer, it was a little bit softer in the, in the in the United States, but that's because everybody went to Europe. Right. And, you know, Europe was essentially shut down for the last two years. And so people started traveling there again. But we we see, you know, very strong travel patterns. Do you think that will eventually shift to a bit of a normalization? Like, okay, yes, everybody got out their Europe trips this past summer. Do you think next summer perhaps could see some of the same of that or a little bit more dispersed? Well, I, I think we'll still see, not the same, but we'll still see heightened levels, of, I believe, of, of travel to Europe. Yeah. What we haven't really seen yet is the international tourists coming back to the U.S. So that's going right. to happen. Yeah. And these markets will benefit from those types of travelers. I mean, you take New York City, for example, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting what's happening here because you've got, you know, very strict Airbnb legislation coming through. So that's limiting Correct. the Airbnb or, you know, um, supply set mm-hmm. then you've got you know some hotels housing you know um you know m- migrants and so forth sure and so you're starting to see compression in other hotels and i'm seeing room rates rise in new york city pretty uh, pretty quickly right now and like all that you've just mentioned there's of course many things to be positive about within the hotel sector so you know, some parts of the commercial real estate sector experienced a hit, but you yourself remain bullish on hotels. So describe to us why. Well, I think what we've seen happen with hotels is traditionally hotels have, have traded or sold it at wider cap rates than other real estate asset classes. Mm-hmm. So if we're on average a 67% cap rate, what that means is that we're able to absorb higher interest rates. Mm-hmm. There's not as much negative leverage. And an example is if you're buying logistics or multifamily and you know you're typically buying at a three to four percent cap rate and you traditionally were borrowing two to three percent fixed rate financing well you can't get two to three percent financing anymore it's more like seven percent for those asset classes so there's massive Mm -hmm. negative leverage whereas hotels i mean everything we do is value add right so if we're buying at a seven cap and we're borrowing at an eight percent interest rate there's slight negative leverage on the way in but then you're, you know, you're value adding your way into positive leverage pretty quickly. Sure. The other thing that hotels have proven, again, not all hotels are equal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd be, cons- I'd be nervous about a, a, a traditional corporate mid-level hotel in the middle part of the country. I'm talking more about these destination resort type properties. 
Okay. The other thing that's happened with them is that, you know, unlike office or retail with long-term leases, we get to lease up on a nightly basis. Yeah. So what that means in a, in a high inflation environment, we're able to adjust pricing dynamically, both on the room rate side and food and beverage and, 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 and mm-hmm. other revenue centers. So that was, that, that's enabled hotels in general to stay ahead of in, the inflation curve. And sure. that's people, I think other investors from other asset classes are starting to notice that and, and realize that it is an interesting asset class, especially in the high interest rate and inflationary environment that we're in right now. Right. And like you said, people are shopping for experiences. So there's kind of, I feel like not been so much of a price cap and people are kind of just willing to pay what it takes to have this amazing experience. So do you feel like there's still runway left to capitalize off of higher ADRs? I do. I, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's all about asset management at the end of the day. I mean, we, we take a multi-pronged approach to everything we do from, 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 our, from, from our value add investment strategy. So we study the, the brand and not just if it's Hilton, Merritt or Hyatt, but like within the subset of that family of brands, is it the right branding? Mm-hmm. Then you get into, you know, are there capital needs in the rooms, food and beverage, meeting space, spa, pool deck, et cetera, et cetera. So we look at all of that. And then we spend a lot of time um, analyzing the middle part of the P&L because there's so much that goes on there with insurance costs and, and real estate ta- real estate right. taxes and food and beverage margins and all of those things. So we we really work on multi, multiple levers to to achieve the uh, the returns that we do and that's what our team is built around. We have going on 40 people now at Trinity. We handle everything in-house from not only from acquisition to asset management, project management, reporting Etc. Etc. And that's why yeah. our joint venture partners, which are large private equity funds, rely on Trinity's in-house expertise for this very mm-hmm. specific asset class. Right. Right. I do like that you mentioned analyzing the middle part of the P&L. Do you feel like that's not the most important, but something that every owner should really hone in on, as you know, with budgets and whatnot? Yeah, we we, we have a term internally with it's, it's reporting on the traffic. Our mm-hmm. job is not to report on the traffic. Our job is not to be producing reports that show variances from one month to the next or from training 12 months to actual budget to last year to whatever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's just right. reporting on the traffic. What our team does is is, is real analysis as to why, why expense margins are the way they are, where the opportunity is, how can we shift things around, how yeah. do we really even on the revenue side, not just the middle part of the PNL, you know, are we, do we have the right distribution channels? Are we being mm-hmm. too reliant on, on online travel agents with higher, you know, commissions should mm-hmm. we be shifting distribution around. You go back to the diplomat. One of the reasons that we really wanted to, to want this to become a Signia hotel is that you get into the consortia side of the group business, which yeah. is high rated group business. Then it's getting into analyzing the, um, the redemption programs and the occupancy levels that mm-hmm. that kick in for the various you know rates that you that you can charge for the redemption business. So mm-hmm. our, our teams work very very much hand in glove with the brands who we view as our partners in 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 these assets and and how can we you know we produce the best product for them in terms of mm-hmm. what we do from a renovation perspective and then yeah. working with them on the on the. Uh, on the asset management side so that we're producing the best results as well. Yeah, very hands-on it sounds like. 
Yes. So talking a little bit about expansion, you'd mentioned in the past that Trinity is interested in investing beyond the Pacific Rim and into Europe and Mexico. So where is Trinity at now with that goal? Is Trinity interested in various business models as well, since um, all-inclusive is, of course, a big part of uh, Caribbean, Latium, and whatnot? Yes, I mean, we're constantly looking at, at new business lines, new geographies. And, uh, you know, we're not ready to announce any of those yet, but, okay. uh, you know, all inclusive is a very, is a very interesting um, area. I think right now with where interest rates are, being a friendly uh, credit capital provider is something that we, we have, we have the capital to do and we're starting to look at because there's a lot of situations out there where you've got great real estate, but yeah. broken capital stacks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the debt market's are very thin at the moment, but you know, if somebody's looking to refinance the, a loan and they can't get replaced with the full proceeds that they have today, I mean, we're there to provide preferred equity, mezzanine, et cetera. So we're looking at all points of the capital stack. We're looking at expanding our geographies and also the, the asset types that we invest in. So not just these big box assets, but as you yeah. said, potentially some all-inclusive, potentially you know, extended stay, you know, other asset classes, et cetera. Sure. So as we talk about acquiring assets, I'd love to also know your house view on development. What do you really think it will take for deals to pencil in 2024? Are you comfortable with that? Or is it more so targeting already built properties? Yeah, we've, we have the expertise to buy existing assets and heavily reposition them. That's mm-hmm. what we're good at. We don't have the team to be doing ground-up development. It's just not what we're set up to be doing. Mm-hmm. Not to say that we would never do it. We'd look at it selectively. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, one of the things we do look at is a lot of our properties sit on, on, on excess land. Mm-hmm. Should we be partnering with home builders or, or, yes. or other real estate uses on, on some of our excess land, et cetera? So we look at all of that. But... You know, I think we just rolled off about a half a billion dollars worth of renovation work, and I think we're mm-hmm. rolling onto another five, you know, half a billion dollars worth of renovation work. So that's what we're geared up to do. We don't, we haven't built the team for uh, ground-up development. That's, we'll leave that to the experts in that field. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good. Yes. Um, lots and lots on branded residents right now and brands looking to kind of infill locations where they already have hotels. And I'm sure, you know, getting into locations that are prime destinations is, you know, that's a great way to do that and also have a different stream of business through uh, branded residents. But um, I guess as we make it to the end of our time here, I'd love to know what you're most looking forward to for 2024. It could be within your company. It could be travel, outlook trends, anything that's really uh, kind of top of your mind that you're really hoping to see. Well, I'm very excited about how our team has come together and, you know, the close to 40 professionals we have and how they've really navigated really difficult times, you know, from having to close all of our assets, which I've said before, it's it's akin to stopping a a super tanker sort of mid-sale, right? Yeah. So we went through all of that, but we we had the right team that on the one side of the house, we could not only protect and continue to renovate the assets that we owned, but on the other side of the house, we were able to go out and raise our first GP fund at the beginning and during COVID and start deploying it. And we were very active, one of the largest, I think, single asset buyers of hotels, according to JLL. 
mm-hmm. uh, during the first two years of COVID. So seeing how our team has gelled and how they've really grown has been tremendous and watching that continue is, is, is very exciting. But what I'm looking forward to is just having some good news on the horizon, meaning mm-hmm. are interest rates plateauing? Are they potentially coming down? Is there going to be a change in investment sentiment, investor sentiment, et cetera? So that's what, that's what I'm hoping for going into, uh, into 24. But I've also noticed that the consumer is very resilient. They keep mm-hmm. spending, they keep traveling, and uh, just a little bit more optimism in the financial markets would go a long way. Absolutely. Well, I'll be looking forward to checking back in with you in 24 to see if some of those things came to fruition. But I think these are some great takeaways for our listeners. And I really appreciate your insight, Sean. Anytime, Dana. Always available to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Hi, I'm Isaac Colazzo, Vice President of Analytics at STR. Hi, and I'm Jan Feitak, National Director for Hospitality Analytics for the CoStar Group. Tune in to our new show, Tell Me More, Hospitality Data Podcast. It's a podcast on the global hotel industry, its current trends, what we're thinking about, and where the industry's going. And we like to have fun with the data, too. Find us on hotelnewsnow.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe today.